0: The, the thing you have to accept is that your history is riddled with criminals and that history shapes where you are now and in accepting that, in embracing that, and in engaging in a conversation about that, you are not admitting that you are a bad person, right. but you have to admit that you and your life is shaped by that reality
1: this conversation is about lots of things it covers film it covers history it covers culture it covers personal stories one of the things that it's about is violence state violence interpersonal violence sexual violence genocide through history slavery the holocaust That sort of thing. So even though it doesn't really describe violence, there's no description of any of those kinds of acts, really. They are referred to and acknowledged as things that happen within the world. And so I can totally understand why people who've had direct experiences of that kind of violence might want to give this one a miss. In terms of length, it's one of the longer conversations, but then that makes up for last week's short episode. So take the two weeks together and you've got the amount of getting better acquainted that you would normally get.
0: Whether or not it would be wise to teach history from the perspective of the emotions involved in history Mm -hmm. and teach a history of, say, because I'm an American and I often get saddled with having to teach U.S. history even though my master's degree is in balkan history would be to teach american history through the, the lens of fear because fear motivates so many of the bad and good decisions that have been made in american history like fear
1: motivates so much hello i'm dave i'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together i need to get better I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, yeah. I mean, normally when I turn on the mic, I've been talking to people for a little bit, like quite a little bit of time beforehand. Today, not we haven't actually been talking that much. Oh, we've no. started, we've sort of... Saved the yeah, good Yeah, we've just pulled at the edges of of, of what we might talk about and it's an interesting one for me this because normally when I sit down with someone I either know them so I kind of know what's what areas of their life I'm interested in in mm-hmm. advance or I've at least been able to Google them uh, in advance to kind of get a little bit of kind of an idea of what, they, what they're what they about. When I Googled you I I didn't have your real name so I didn't manage to find you which means I'm kind of going into this without any kind of I don't know what we're going to talk about oh, I'm very excited. You've made you a horrible have...
0: mistake I'm the most boring. Well
1: you know <laughs> I, I don't think that I don't think that but I, I feel like it's it's interesting for me I'm going to be kind of listening out for avenues of conversation right. that, I, that I you know which I I do anyway hopefully that's hopefully my job but normally I'm going in with a bit more information so I'm interested to see how this goes well
0: what would be really interesting though is if you had my proper name what you would have found because uh, I have sort of this is this is a perfectly reasonable thing to talk about I've spent I don't know how long have I been online I'm 32 now I first connected the internet I was six so I've been on the internet for whatever that comes out to 25 years something like that uh, and I've led a pretty aggressive campaign to not be found. Right. Um, I got doxed once on Twitter because um, you, you may be familiar with Anita Sarkesian and the the feminist frequency is her YouTube. Right. You know? So she just puts out a video that says video games are sexist, and I just said yeah, y- you know, in support. It was like good video. I thought it was really well constructed, and that pissed off some. Right troglodyte on the internet and so he doxed me and he said oh do you still live at and he puts out this address and i was like oh that's one of the fake addresses i have purposely attached to my name (laughs) over the last 10 years for exactly this type of situation and then i and then i reported him to the police and they probably did nothing about it but
1: right yeah but at least yeah I mean that's, that's really interesting as somebody who I mean I'm the, like the opposite of that like uh, you know all of my infos out online like uh, you know I do this podcast under my real name mm-hmm. and so I mean and so there's there's hours and hours of me giving out loads of personal information uh, when I worked for the council I had to be more cautious about that but right. since I've gone freelance I've gone completely the walls down I mean yeah. but that said I, I prob we probably have a very similar analysis of the internet and of the culture around it it's just my my as somebody who makes art i guess makes stuff i kind of went well you know we there's a lot of dangers of being completely open online right. but that's the you know. Can you hide it? Can and you're proving that you can. You but uh, I, I of, oh, it I, well, takes a lot no of work. No one can work. have anything yeah. on me if if I if I've put everything out there. Right. Myself, then no one can actually blackmail me or like use that against yeah. my employers because I can just say, "Well, it's there." if, yeah. if They didn't listen to it. If you, <laughs> but you also stand as an
0: artist to benefit. You know. Like, yes, like, exactly. I, I'm right, I'm not in, right, right, right. in the interest of self-promotion that much, which is why none of my podcasts have already succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's not it's not something that I really stand to benefit from. And in fact, I feel like because I work in academia, you know, I'm just submitted an article that's in the process of being accepted to Cracked, right? Already, I'm like, well, should this get published, I'm going to have to give them a pseudonym because... I use vulgar language because it's cracked. We're trying to make jokes. I'm, I'm, you know, I have another article I submitted where I'm insulting college students which is what my job is, and so it's sort of, uh, if someone were to, you know, if I'm going to apply for a job and someone looks for me and the first thing they see is, you know, like, uh, the five things that, five reasons why college students are stupid or uh, broken, that's not going to be good for me, so I'm going to have to figure out what my my student, which I already have a couple uh, in in tow, but that's always been my sort of thinking. Right, right. Given the things that I say on a regular basis, it's never going to be helpful for me for that stuff to be out
1: there well I mean that's I, my previous job before I went freelance I worked with children who you know the under fives mm-hmm. um, so I was very cautious about revealing kind of I, I'm in a non-monogamous relationship right. I didn't want to reveal that like not that you know not that I think that, that people shouldn't work with children who are in non-monogamous relationships I just know that any whiff of something to do with sex yeah. as, particularly if you're a man yeah. and you're working with the under fives oh, yeah. you're going to get a load of grief when I when I, when freelance I like I say I I did I you know I I went right this can be a liberating time I can focus on this for a little bit in my in my show and then that's been interesting now because I do still offer like on my website I offer uh work with the under fives that's something I can do and I have done some of that since going freelance and like I've always been like very aware when I've done that work that, that that could come up now Right, you know the the, the but at the, the same time, I'm freelance now, so I'm not dependent on that. So I, exactly. could, I you know, that's the that's the real difference. It's interesting what you say as well. Listeners may not have put together the connections that I. Uh, put together when you were talking about Anita as I can never say her surname so I'm gonna uh, but but feminist frequency right uh that was to do with the Gamergate uh correct situation yes. like uh which was just a precursor for even more vile <laughs> uh stuff you know who knew yeah the alt was no surprise right, to some of us right who knew when Gamergate came out that there would be a kind of direct line between Gamergate and the next president of the United States yeah I mean Jesus Christ um, but yeah, that's Ooh. that. For, but for listeners who aren't who have heard of Gamergate, but maybe not femi- feminist frequency, I just wanted to, 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 to tease that out for you. And, uh, you know, it was very pleasing for me when you were saying it. I didn't know which way you were going to go. You know, like you could have been doxed for uh, attacking. And, and, right, and right. Then, then and then then I would have. Been in an interesting position of unexpectedly uh, interviewing someone who is you know pro gamer game. Right, right, right. Would have right. been a strange, no, nope. no. Good I'm on, against good. that, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, definitely advanced warning. I would want to prep for that. It would have been a fascinating. <laughs> yeah, would been a fascinating
0: shift at that point, right? No, no. We're on the we're on the same side of that. It was, it's just so funny that the things that they chose to get upset about, and then and the, and the, the alt right as well. Well, some of the things the alt right get upset about is at least. I mean, I think it's based entirely in falsehoods. But if it were true, for example, Pizzagate, and I hate that everything's a gate, but uh, (laughs) if it really turned out that Hillary Clinton was molesting children, I would also be upset. (laughs) But it turns out that there's zero evidence of that, and I'm pretty confident it never happened. But with Gamergate, it was, um, you know, it was things that were just not worth getting upset about. It really doesn't affect you that... Some woman was dating a guy in the in the uh, games media, and she made games. Like, yeah, they work in the same industry. They're going to interact with one another on a pretty regular basis, and right. then two people just happen to like each other for whatever reason. And him airing her dirty laundry, um, some of it, as I understand, manufactured, although who knows what the hell the reality of that whole situation was. Is just it is of no concern to anyone, and in no way affects anyone's right. life. So these are the things that always sort of break my brain. You know, <laughs> you know. Now in America, gay marriage is completely legal in all states. It has to be; it's the law of the land. Never understood the debate because if two people get married, it has zero effect on my life, right. regardless. Uh, I mean, you know, I would say. Yeah, every... It doesn't matter. There's not a single marriage I can think of unless someone is not able to consent, yeah. like a 12-year-old. Then it affects me because I'm like, nah, you're That's abusing children, yeah, and yeah. I'm not cool with you abusing children at that point. Or, But other than that, two adults... Fuck it! I'm sorry, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, you can
1: swear. It's,
0: it just doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's so it doesn't matter to me. And it took me a while to become active in the campaign
1: for gay marriage because I was like, "Are we? Does anyone really care?" And yeah, it turns out a
0: bunch of people, people really care.
1: care. But I mean, I think that's an interesting thing. I think you know, I, I agree. I, I've never understood why half the things people care about they care about. Like every yeah. single kind of. It, if somebody else is doing something and it has no effect on your life. Why the hell do you care what they're right. doing? As long as like what they're doing isn't hurting anyone. And that right. kind of was what you alluded to uh, with, you know, 12 year olds. Right? Exactly. But, 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 but the, I think the thing is people feel that their, their, their marriage is invalidated because they don't think that that's, and I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not sticking up for them. They're wrong. And I mean, I don't even think marriage is, is, you know, and I you know, I understand that you're married yeah. and there's I know loads of married people, uh, as I say, I don't care what other people do lives, yeah. but marriage as an institution to me is kind of invalidated by its actual kind of history and oh, yeah. uh, f- function within <laughs> its society.
0: It's problematic. And, and, you know, when my wife and I were getting married and, and, and the vows say uh, include um, to serve, I want to say is, 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 yeah, is yeah, in yeah. there. I think it is. And you know, of course we removed that because <laughs> that's like, <laughs> mm, I don't think anyone's serving anyone. Yeah. It, it, it's it's right it I is think... a straight up it is a straight up um marriage as an institution was invented for the exclusive purposes two uh, purposes one is just the transfer of wealth and the other one is the guarantee of sort of a a family ownership uh, right, of right, property right. down down property the line yeah. it's about
1: kind of you know patriarchy yeah
0: really. that one blows that one's a fun one to 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 throw at people because uh, the concept that property and ownership and the oppression of women is directly linked to like the agricultural revolution right, right, right. because before that when you sort of analyze what data we have available and granted we could always have more um women were actually more likely to have multiple partners in pre-agricultural yeah. society yeah, 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 yeah. than in agricultural society and it's because men don't can't know if a, the child of a particular woman is their child Unless they control who the woman sleeps with. And right. so women became second class not because they're weaker and we're the gatherers in a hunter society, that's bullshit, not because they're in any way incapable. Of being in leadership, we have tons of matriarchal societies all throughout history. Yeah,
1: people always say, "Where are they?" they And they're there. I, you know, I've also read about them. (laughs) The goddamn
0: Iroquois Confederacy in the United States, which which before the United States was the United States, was the largest political structure in the in the northwestern hemisphere in the in the North American continent. uh, Was purely matriarchal in its structure, and in fact. The reason why men held political positions in some of the in some of the the what do you call it? Not I wasn't I would, you would call it sort of a national council? What we think of as so a parliament effectively now is because and I'm I was like a quote I'm going to butcher it, but it was this Mohawk woman who said uh, it was because the business of politics is beneath women. <laughs> like politics is beneath us we have more important matters to get right. to so we let the men hold political positions right.
1: on purpose well it's it's very i mean it's like with with you know like people like to say oh trans issues are a new thing whereas by like you know first the first people of america uh had often i mean not they, they weren't uh like they were a number of different tribes but many of those tribes uh had five genders you yeah know, like and, uh, you know the same is true in Africa uh, yeah. and people like to think of like Africa African cultures as as incredibly homophobic but but that came through Christ- colonisation and empire that was Christianity we gave that yeah. to those people yeah. and then we now hold now, now we blame them yeah. for having our uh, ideologies but yeah. this is the thing like I think with like marriage and all of these things like people get scared be- if you because if you conform if you've conformed to what it is to be a normal um, c- citizen of yeah. society then you think you're safe when you see that other people what in the marriage club or other people what in different bathrooms or whatever it is like people go oh I'm I didn't have to think about my part in it. I I just had this status and now people are are saying that that's not my God-given right Right. right? by by following the rules. I followed the rules and now everybody's changing the rules. And like, Mm. that's all bullshit. And I'm not saying we should indulge those kind of emotions. And people don't know that that's what they're feeling, I think, as well. And, And I'm not saying it's as simple as this, this, fucking millions of, re- of reasons why people are prejudiced, and right. that's a simplistic one reason. Yeah. But I think that's definitely kind of there, I think. And there's an interesting case
0: in that, and, and this is sort of uh, along the at least two of the topics that we've we, we yeah, yeah, pre-discussed. Yeah. We, we
1: have got some co- topics we will be addressing. There, there's
0: know? sort of a perspective that I've come to in the last maybe year or two, because what I do typically, not right now because I'm a, I'm a student, I'm getting my PhD, I teach history at the university level. And some of the the things I've sort of thought about in my teaching and and what perspective I want to approach to is whether or not it would be wise to teach history from the perspective of the emotions involved in history Mm -hmm. and teach a history of, say, because I'm an American and I often get saddled with having to teach U.S. history even though my master's degree is in... Balkan history. So which is always funny, like, you can teach colonial America. I'm like, sure, I, I just know everything about the Yugoslav Civil Wars of the nineteen nineties. But yeah, yeah, I'll tell you about seventeen seventy-six. Uh, would be to teach American history through the the lens of fear. Because fear motivates so many of the bad and good decisions that have been made in American history. Like fear motivates so much, you know, when I, and I do it a little bit when I talk about the emergence of conservatism in the post-war era, is that it's based on fear. It's entirely based on fear. It's either the fear of the Russians, or it's the fear of the blacks, or it's the fear of hippies, or whatever it is, you know, the silent majority and all of those things right. were people who were afraid, and whether or not, you know, that perspective doesn't explain A lot of the things that we, like you say, just accept as normal is because everyone is motivated by fear. Whether or not it's the most powerful human emotion yeah. that we can have.
1: Well, I mean, I remember when I kind of came out to my friends as having an open relationship, which is an absurd thing to say because, <laughs> like, it, I, I'm not equating the experience of a, a, a cis heterosexual man telling people that he is sleeping with more than one person as being an, really equatable to kind of coming out, you know, as a gay person or as a trans person or whatever. I mean, in fact, I think coming out with mental health issues has been harder in, in many ways than mm-hmm. coming out as having an open relationship. But I remember my a friend of mine, you know, when I was talking to him about it, you know, at some point later in this conversation, he, he kind of started saying, you know, well, what's wrong with being normal? What's why, you know, why am, why am I under it? And and I was kind of like, this is such a strange moment. He's a lovely guy. Right, right. right. He he doesn't, you know, I'm not saying that he's the, 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 the complete kind of enemy. Like he would, he would vote liberally. He would defend gay people's rights, all sorts of things. But he, he just, you know, it it was interesting to me to, to see that under all of that, that, and he's, you know, he's a, he's an attractive white man with money in his, his in his like, you know family money, right. but also you know a job that pays money right. and and dual incomes. You know he's got like the most stable position. He is under no attack at all. Right, and it was just fascinating that that me just saying this one slightly transgressive thing would sort of like trigger something eventually in him. And I guess it's because he th- you know. That's what happens. People, feel ju- people who are monogamous feel judged by people who aren't monogamous right. because they think that like, they're saying, like, oh, the, the, we, we don't think their relationship is a, a, is a good model. And I think yeah. it's a perfectly reasonable model out of all the models that there are. It's been one that's been tried a lot, sometimes successfully, and I support it, you know, whatever people want to do. Right. But it's, it's so fascinating that just one little thread... Can like un- start to unravel everything for people, and it is, it is mm-hmm. fear, and it is fear, and you don't think of people who have the cultural keys to to, to society who are walking around every day, you know, who, who are the people we're all jealous of. Right. You don't think of them as being afraid on a oh, fundamental but they are. level, but they, I think, yeah. they are, yeah,
0: yeah, and in fact, I would argue that the people who are most afraid are those people who have the most to lose, right? I mean, there's a, there's a concept in sociology called the um, enemy theory, which Emile Durkheim published in his book Suicide, I want to say, from like the 1880s. And the idea is just that uh, suicide, uh, he saw, occurred predominantly amongst this upper-middle-class group that had emerged in France. And it almost never happened with poor people. Like, this, the suicide rate amongst the people who are the most destitute, who should have the most to be sad about and to want to commit suicide with the people who are least likely to do it and he sort of posits this theory that what happens is, is as we acquire more we feel sort of disconnected from society in some way or, or we feel disconnected because we want even more than what we have like everyone right. is always shooting for what we have more the more and more and more and more but something is always gonna be outside of your reach. And the bigger the thing is that gets outside of your reach, the more disconnected you feel from everyone else because you feel like you're failing. Right? So everyone who is wealthy to a certain extent feels like a failure right now. Mm, interesting. This is this is his theory, and I think it actually kinda of bears itself out. Like, even if the person who's making half a million pounds a year, right, which to you and I were like Poof! And fat off the land, like half a million pounds a year. I don't yeah, even, I don't, I don't care about anything. I have, yeah. I have no want for anything. Is still desperately trying to make a million pounds a year. Is still desperately trying to because they're afraid that they don't have enough. They're afraid that they'll lose what they currently have if they don't get more. You know, almost that I'm more secure because if I have more stuff, then I have you know, I have a little bit more of a cushion. Uh, and those people become. Stressed out, and right. and uh, there was a study in the a couple studies in the seventies that connect nineteen seventies that connected this concept to acts of deviance amongst um, you know like teenagers from wealthy uh, middle class neighborhoods that you know you can think in your mind of uh, American graffiti or Days and Confused right it, those are all those kids have no want for anything right, right. there but there are these. Poor disaffected youths who smash mailboxes and and have crazy drunken parties out in the field, which is basically what American high school is like, uh, those people do that because of their status as having wealth, because okay. they feel this disconnection. They feel like they need to take these risks in order to be alive in a certain uh, light. And so... That's a that's an interesting perspective to take whenever people have that kind of reaction that I'm under attack. Yeah. It's because that person lives in a world where they are not the most successful. They are the underdog in some way, shape, or form, and they are aspiring towards some greatness without being able to recognize that, well, relative to everyone else in the world, you're actually doing
1: fine yeah i mean that's i mean that's definitely something that is applicable to to you know not just wealthy people i mean it's 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 hard to remember that i think like re, re, you know I'm relatively unwealthy within this country right. but I still am very we- uh, wealthy within uh, the global population right. or within even you know within this country in some ways yeah. it's just the cut off point for where you you know wealthy is is, is 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 you know where it's at like like that moves that is a permeable idea like wealthy is a yeah. To one person means one thing and to another person means another thing. Yeah. A, and I guess that, that's that's where a lot of the fear is that nobody quite knows where they're at within the hierarchy, uh, hierarchies, I would say, yeah. uh, that we're in. Um, so, yeah, like, so... The, the aeroplane flying above our head reminded me to say that this has been recorded I- in my flat, so generally better sound quality than than many of the kind of out-on-location out, out, out on location recordings, uh, but there will be occasional aeroplanes and probably the fridge is probably buzzing a little bit, but, you know, that is a, definitely a sound you can get over um, <laughs>
0: But, but, uh, <laughs> talk about people complaining about, uh, you know, what they they don't have. People are like, why does this podcast have sound artifacts in it? And it's like, you're getting free entertainment delivered I, to your
1: ears. I think that a lot. I think that a lot. Um, but, and the, the first question, which is coming quite late, but that's probably good because now I definitely feel like I've, I've got an idea of, of, of who you are and mm-hmm. where you're coming from. But the first question I ask everybody is, how do you know me? No. Oh. Boy, how do we? So
0: we are both affiliated with a Facebook podcasting <laughs> group here, in... that's. Right. I thought it was only based here in London, but it is international. It's it is a mostly thing. there's like a big old chunk of London. It started
1: here. It started yeah. in London. It's kind of more broadly UK based, and then right. but now it's yeah it's international. it's I think it's public now, so anyone can search it and join. Yeah, and a lot of
0: people do, and they don't read the rules. But right. well,
1: exactly, I mean, and that's an interesting moment for a group to be in when they go public and when they start getting bigger. I've seen seen many groups over the history of the internet or my history mm-hmm. of, of the internet being amazing spaces, and then. Dist- you know, just dist- going crashing and burning with like anger and rage and and, and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. But I feel, I hope that the podcast support group that we're both part of will not be, it will not follow in those footsteps. Partly because we're we're headed by by Helen Zeltsman, who, right. who runs a tight ship and is aware of these kind of issues. <laughs> uh, a tight, a, a, tight a tight, but um, but but not kind of horrible ship. Right, like, right, not right.
0: strict. She's not a cruel master. Right, she's. right, right, right. Right. We need. It's like we're pirates, right? We got to get our pirate content <laughs> and together and make sure we all understand where our rights are on the ship. Right. Uh, yeah so we did meet through that and we've, and we've, and we've met up at podcast like face
1: to face podcast meetups yeah.
0: yeah at least twice that I yeah, can remember I can think of twice yeah yeah so it's probably twice yeah probably twice yeah yeah I don't think there's a third one in there but yeah so we've, we've met a couple times and uh, made fun of Winston Churchill a lot last time because uh, he was staring at us the entire yeah, right, time right, right, we were right. eating lunch. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, last time we had a lot of, like, conversation about colonization and empire and right. all of these sorts of things, which, you know, is... I guess, you know, it's rare to do that, like, in within minutes of sitting down in a room with someone, but no, not for Winston me. Churchill, yeah, yeah, probably, will, and probably not for either yeah. of us, we're yeah. probably the people who do that, right? Um, but Winston Churchill definitely was the catalyst uh, for, for that exchange, uh, and many, many other things throughout history, some 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 good, mostly bad, uh, but yes. So, do you then,
0: do you run into the same problem I run into with that, because, because like you said, we would both be the ones to do that, where... You're in, you're, in a, you're at a party or something, and, and you you know someone, maybe your, your significant other is with you, or you're with some friends, uh, but you're introduced to a whole gaggle of people you don't know, and you honestly don't really give a fuck, like, right, what they ac- honestly think about you, because you're like, I don't know if I'm going to ever meet these people. So you just go for it. Right. You're just you, and you say whatever you're going to say, and then you can immediately sense... Right? Like there's always, there's one person who hates, like outright hates that you are you. Right? And then yeah. there's those people yeah. who are just uncomfortable <laughs> with you. And then there's like that one person, you're like, all right, that's yeah, who I'm going to yeah, talk yeah, to you yeah, for the yeah, whole yeah, night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's very familiar this circumstance to me for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, it probably is a, a circumstance that many people feel like, wherever, whatever their political perspective, whatever their their um, background, that it's, you know, in some gatherings, they will suddenly find themselves to be, you know. A pariah, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, I just like I, to get yeah. it over with.
0: I like to come out and just be, be like, you know, uh, uh, say something. I don't know, not controversial, but something that's just a bold I mean, statement.
1: I don't even find like it's a choice for me. I just, yeah. I, I just talk to people, mm-hmm. and then, then you know only after i've sort of started the sentence do i realize it's controversial right or, uh unusual or whatever or like just too much information which is my my probably my biggest uh danger when you yeah. meet, meet me i might you know just suddenly like I, I remember like i met somebody for the first time who i met who i knew through twitter once and like within half an hour of like uh actually meeting them i was like telling them like you know my my Tragic, like not tragic, but like my pathetic virginity story. My like, you know, my my like my like. <laughs> you're like, a lot of like, personal talking details. About, I like, see yeah, talking saying. about what my mom would talk to me about, like right. sex and uh, and 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 that sort of stuff. Like and like, it was like, why have I done this? But it, it went down well in that that with that person because she was also someone who, right. who you know, so that's the other thing. Like, it can be really liberational when you get when you sort of say say something that's normally goes down like a damp, damp squid to someone and then. And they're like, oh, you, you, um, <laughs> you know, like, yes, we can talk about these things. I've got, you know, you think that's bad? Let's uh, like, here's mine. And then right. it's like, yeah, yeah,
0: that's good. And this gets back to what we were first talking about, because my problem is not that I give too much personal information away, but as someone who is currently a professional lecturer, someone who's had four different podcasts, right. uh, did radio for about five years before I jumped into podcasting. I just give too much information, right? Like period, right? Like like I just went off on anime theory at like that's that's a very normal conversation is that that we'll be talking with about any we be talking about something innocuous. we be talking about the Beauty and the Beast remake that I just watched. Oh, I'll go off on oh this is eighteenth century France, so like uh Gaston <laughs> Gaston must have been in the I don't know, the war Spanish succession or right? right. you know like just like Well someone Wr. wrote a
1: really good post about uh like Bell makes the wrong choice because the beast is part of the aristocracy, whereas right. Gaston you know, Which is I actually be useful in the revolution disagreed with completely I I because too. I was
0: like, Well, we don't you're you're you have a monolithic view of France right. and he's a prince is what they call him, but they don't refer to what kind of what is he what is he the prince of right and, and is I mean, he an actual prince or is he just a noble who calls himself right. that you know and
1: anyway that analysis was based only on one one way of analyzing the situation Correct. like when you when you compare right. the the beast and gaston uh and and kind of see them through the lens of toxic masculinity right. how do they reinforce those things i don't think either of them score well actually but gaston right. certainly scores worse right and so like you can say yeah, yeah okay she should have she should have been you know she, if she chooses gaston Maybe the revolution's gonna like he's gonna be more useful, or maybe he's gonna be a, t- a terrible, violent yeah. uh, partner who's gonna kill her. Yeah, you, there's, there's you think, absolutely there's no- this thing called the Terror, and I right, assure right, right. you, you
0: didn't have to be an aristocrat to get right. your head it cut It wasn't off. as simple as that. Exactly. In yeah. fact, I guarantee what happens is Gaston gets fired up early in the revolution, and then in, in and when you know you get the Girondists and the Jacobins and the Divisions, <laughs> he's on the wrong side of that. Right. Immediate, he's falling in one of the Terrors. Right when there's like. Seven, yeah, if you really yeah, yeah. want to be honest about it, or uh, best case scenario, he joins the military, right? Because he has military experience. Yeah. He becomes, uh, you know, he he uh, responds to the the levee uh, at some point in time. And then he ends up on campaign, you know, against either the Netherlands, Austria, Italy, or Spain, like, and and dies in the battlefield somewhere. Like, like that's his best case scenario. I
1: mean, I feel like if you're going to give it like a... And I I like the original Beauty and the Beast uh, film, whilst I've read many uh, feminist critiques of it, and I do understand them. Oh, yeah. I I also do still really like the original. um, But, like... Yeah, I feel like if you're gonna make any argument of who she should who she should pick, it's nobody. Like yeah. none of them. She should pick herself. Yeah, you know, fine, good. Like she should fucking you know. leave
0: France. Right, that's what she wants
1: to do. <laughs> right, she wants. That's to the song from Provincial yeah, Life. At yeah, at the end of Provincial Life, the song is her <coughs> on
0: a hilltop saying like, "I want more from life. I want to go on an adventure." Yeah. yeah. And then in the end, she marries mm. the dude who lives like next door. Yeah, like it's the next. Yeah, it's the well, her, castle. Her, her adventure
1: is, is being locked in a castle. Exactly, Which is not an adventure. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's an, an adventure av- in that so, she yeah, has yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's talking furniture there's, and yeah, shit a, like that. There's adventure. And I would elements.
0: also submit that the prince has transitioned over the course of the film yeah. to where at the end you see he's actually invited everyone from the village into his castle right. and may in fact be a San simon type character. Where at the the outset of the revolution, instead of Holding on to his aristocratic position, he gives away everything.
1: Right. He invite right.
0: invite and, you know San Simon right. is the father of socialism. Right. Because he was rich, and then the revolution came, and he said, "Oh, you know what? This makes sense. Well, it- I should give all of my property away, except for I mean, I mean, like all his property. He still had like a, a eight bedroom house in Paris right. or something like that. But he gave away his his entitled land." For the purposes of feeding the poor, right. nobody killed Sun simon He died of cancer. I, I think he died of
1: cancer. I mean, the, the beast's original crime was a kind of crime of, of kind of a lack of socialism right. in itself. It's, you know he, yeah. he, he was a rude. He didn't like he didn't he wasn't hospitable. He right. wouldn't share his resources, right. uh, and that's why he got cursed. It would be nice if that had been teased out. If that right. was the new if the new film <clears throat> focused on that element, uh, right. that would be an interesting story from but, the largest uh, media <clears throat> corporation in yeah, the world. Yeah. Probably not. I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> although you never know if it, if it sells they'll do it yeah. like that's the, the sad the sad reality of it is that the, you know so there are occasionally you know big budget films that have kind of uh, counter countercultural yeah. narratives but then it's like do they become part of the main culture like is it, it, it are they losing their power but it, they are they are, there. they are there they're
0: there but I often wonder if there isn't a firm tongue-in-the-cheek Whenever that comes out of a major right. studio, right. you know, if a Warner Brothers or a Universal or a Disney is putting out a movie in which the, the heroes of the film are Robin Hood's, you know, you take those, those stupid magic movies, now you see me and now you see me too oh, right. I with Jesse Eisenberg and
1: I don't, oh, oh, I don't right, give a right, shit right, the rest right. of the people like loads of famous people yeah yeah Woody Harrelson right, Morgan Freeman playing right. magicians
0: yeah they, and their whole thing is they steal from the rich in the trailers they steal from the, the banks effectively and then they flow the money out into the streets which is in, fucked up in a lot of ways but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know it's still in the end there's still greedy capitalists who are like doing it for their own self aggrandizement at the end of both films that's the whole point of it is that they are, and then Morgan Freeman is uh, the twist is he's been behind it the whole time or something. It's they're dumb, don't watch either right. movie. I mean, but, it,
1: the end's just been spoiled for you anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not don't, saying you yeah. shouldn't have done it. To <laughs> <the> audience, <laughs> you I saved you hours of your life, let alone whatever money you would spend. But you know, like I feel like whenever that happens, whenever there's that social conscious in the movie, if you really sit down and look at it, um there's some criticism of that system. Like the hero is petulant like a petulant child or something or uh, it, it, there's still all the problems like once they embrace like right. the new ideology or something like that. It's always hidden in there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean there you know, might there might be counter examples.
1: Well I but... mean it's, it's just also com- confusing. Like, like the original Lego movie mm-hmm. uh, I think had a kind of a very good message from the actual film but it still was a, a, a marketing exercise. Right. It still was, exactly. was selling uh, products and those products were, you know, directly, like, you know, some of the characters in the film, you know, were then the big, the big selling points, right. Um, afterwards but then you know you go from Lego movie to the Lego Batman movie right. which I saw relatively recently mm-hmm. and fucking hated which makes me very much in a minority it seems um, but but like that movie doesn't, doesn't really do anything radical right. it, it, it goes back on kind of everything that the original movie was right. about because it's not about making new ideas it's about let's focus on Batman it's a, it's a Batman movie that happens to also be a Lego movie right. and, then it's a, it's, and it's a shit Batman movie right. and all the jokes like, people kept saying to me, Oh, maybe you just don't get the references because if you got the references, you'd be laughing all the time. And it's like, No, 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 I get all of the references. I've yeah. probably got more references. I mean, you know, I'm not kind of bigging myself up. This just means I'm a really geeky person. Right. But, like, I've probably got more references than them, some of the people who yeah. are telling me. But it's just that feels cheap. They're just yeah. trying to use my my references Fellow- to. Yes, yeah, that's not a story. Yeah. It's just a reference.
0: Fellow podcaster, John Hodgman, will has said on multiple occasions. Making a reference is not the same as making a joke. Right. Just because you've made a reference to something someone else did... Right. Even if it's funny, like if you quote The Simpsons, you have not made a joke. You may laugh because you both remember, you know, uh, some joke from The Simpsons. (laughs) But you haven't made a joke. You are not funny. You are no different than a television. Right. Or a radio or a phone. You are not humorous. Right. The content is what's funny. And so it's Dan Castellanella's delivery that's funny. Or it's, uh, uh I can't think of any writers off of The Simpsons off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. Josh Weinstein or something like that. They're the funny person. Or whoever drew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, you know, Klasky Chupo, the studio that drew the first few seasons of it. Yeah, like... They're the funny people. You are shit. You haven't done anything. And just making references, and which isn't to say don't make references right. or that references have no value. Right. But to just make references, and that which is the problem I had with the, the most recent Star Wars movie, um, uh, Rogue One. Rogue right. One? Yeah. Was that the whole movie I'm going, I get it. I saw Star Wars. Stop it. I don't need the dudes from the bar who gets his arm cut off in this scene. I don't need why is Grandma Target in this fucking movie? That guy's been dead for 20 years. Why don't you just let him die and lie in his grave? Like, it it was so many instances of, like, I get it. I get it. I saw the other movies.
1: You can stop now. Why don't you tell me a story? Right. I mean, I I haven't seen Rogue One, so I can't comment on that. I mean, I saw the. I saw the reboot uh, Star Wars movie, the, the Force, Awakens, Force Awakens, which right. I which I liked. Um, I, and I think that you know in, that's a good kind of case in point. I feel like there was nothing new in that movie, but Correct. at the same time, there was something new in yes. the movie, and that was representation. Exactly. And so that that represent like I always say, like if people are going to do remakes, they should do remakes with good representation. Yes. Because that in itself makes it more interesting. Like I I, I also saw the Ghostbusters Gust- Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. I thought it was an okay movie. Yeah. But I thought it was much better for being yes. all women than yeah. than 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 it would have been otherwise. Like I don't want to see a Reboot of Ghostbusters anyway, but if I'm going to watch a reboot of Ghostbusters, yeah. I'm going to. I want it to all be women. And the fact that you know the only reason I went to see that Ghostbusters movie really was to annoy the men who <laughs> hated the movie, um, yeah. and, and to give it more box office, and yeah. to, and to encourage yeah to encourage Hollywood to make remakes that aren't like at the moment you know we're seeing a lot of remakes that are going the other way we're seeing scarlett johansson being the face of uh, the ghost in the shell instead of like you know so so, so definitely a message yeah. needs to be sent to hollywood yeah. to stop you know exactly uh,
0: yeah yeah and the funny thing with the ghostbusters is the best three characters are cayman kinnan's character uh leslie jones's character and chris hemsworth's character and it's because um For Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones, they're characters that you haven't seen in this kind of movie before. And for Chris Hemsworth, what's funny is that he's playing the opposite of every character he's ever played before. I mean, he's still handsome, but... He's not the strong, confident leader, and no. he's a fucking idiot. And that's what's so great about his character. Although
1: I'd say there's some crossover with uh, Thor, right? Like, if right. yeah, Thor has and, some dopey uh, moments, you know, which is why I like Thor. I mean, yeah, like, exactly. But I
0: mean, he's he's dopey in social situations. But when it when when the hammer it meets the sword, like right, right. he is, and he's
1: commanding, mo- and he's in. morally intelligent, Correct. and emotionally intelligent yeah. in some ways. Thor, whereas yeah. that character has nothing. He's exactly. so oblivious right. to anything. And
0: And that's what made you... So, like, it's interesting when you do something from a... When you take a different perspective. And as I understand, I haven't watched it yet. It just came out. The new Power Rangers movie. uh, Well, I guess it came out in America. I don't think it's come out here yet. Is actually not bad. People kind of like it. And if you want to take a look at that cast, yes, there are still two white people in the cast, but... You've got a Latino woman right. as the Yellow Ranger. You have uh, an Asian man as the Black Ranger. And I think someone's also... There's a, a, a Black person as the Blue Ranger, and I think someone's... Gay as well.
1: there's there's, there's an Im- implication that one of them at least has a fluid sexuality, and there's also one of the one of the uh, Power Rangers is is autistic, uh, which is a great uh, wow element for for representation. I'm gonna so, guess it's the Blue I Ranger. Mean, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, so I feel yeah. I mean, I probably would hate the new Power Rangers movie. I feel like, but I feel like uh, if. Films I like I hate are going to come out. They should at least have great representation, right. and I think that's a good example of that. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we've we've answered the second question really, which is what do you do now? Because you've kind of said like you 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 teach history, yeah. you're an academic. Yeah. So we, we won't have to ask that one again. What I was thinking is, as well when you were saying about being the person who kind of comes out with information mm-hmm. and I, I liked that like too much information just literally meaning information was, right. was a nice twist on that so i'm also someone like i said who talks a lot like i, I don't necessarily talk as, as as intellectually all the time when i meet people but i talk a lot so we're both men yeah how do you how do you square that with that because it's it's yeah I, I, I know that part of me talking a lot is privilege yeah i know that but some of it is personality and some of it is anxiety and all sorts of other things. And so, you know, how do you, do you you feel like you're taking up too much space when you, when you do that? Yeah,
0: I definitely do. It took a long time for me to sort of recognize that I, I don't just dominate it. Like I own conversations. (laughs) Right, They're mine and I I start, I will have conversations with myself, with other people in in the, in the space it's possible. And so, you know, the thing, it's it's it sucks because it is undoubtedly due to privilege. Because I've I have I have always been told my entire life that one I'm the smartest person. Period. End sentence. Um, I was certainly, with the exception of my best friend, we were leaps and bounds ahead of everyone growing up. Which is why we were such good friends, because we were the only two people who could have, we felt, an intelligent conversation together. uh, Because I grew up in a small town uh, in in rural America. It's not exactly the bastion of education out there. So we were always jackasses, because we thought everyone around us was stupid. Because they didn't want to talk about what we wanted to talk about. (laughs) Which is, uh, it turns out you have to grow up a little bit and and, and change that perspective. Right. Um, So... The thing that I've noticed, though, uh, as I've gotten older, is that it is equally as interesting if you ask a question as it is to answer a question. You know, like, you're going to go into a room and you're going to do it like I said earlier and just start talking about whatever you want. And whoever engages, whoever latches onto that conversation this person must be interesting because they've latched onto that conversation. And then you just start pummeling them with questions at some point in time and get them to speak. Because if nobody feels like they're invited to speak and you're a white guy, they will just listen. Or they won't even listen. They will simply politely nod while in their mind go through things. But I find that as a result of that, when you're more open to hearing what other people have to say people really appreciate that when you ask them questions particularly about themselves or or what they're interested in there's a really positive reaction to that because it's so unexpected right yeah i mean it's it it it, it's a bummer because it is also personality right right? because i really just have i too have so much shit i want to say i've spent I've been reading, like, a book a day for a decade or something like that. Not quite that pace. I haven't kept it up the whole time. But uh, I I got too much stuff going on.
1: I mean, you don't read stuff... with You know, when you read stuff, it's partially to process it and communicate it to other people. Like, that's part of the process. And so it is definitely complicated. I mean, something I... I, I kind of realized sort of as I kind of came to to realize that, yeah, my predisposition towards talking all the time meant that I was dominating conversations in ways I didn't want to, um, you know, not successfully, not always being like I, I never I never I, I never necessarily felt like the room was listening to me. I've never right. had that that male power that I see in other people of like actually charismatically Commanding the attention right. of a room—that's that's not been my way. In fact, the more I've learned to listen, weirdly, I think the more ability I have to uh, control a room yeah. or actually get get focused to actually, you know, to an audience. You, but you should try doing it professionally, right? <laughs> when right, you right, have right, to right, stand right. at the front of a well, room like, that's it, and too, be right. the because I I do that with. Uh, true storytelling nights. Yeah. so I, I do have to, but it's a different thing. But you're 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 in front of a class, or it's, right. a, you know, it's, but it's a, well, a similar it is, thing.
0: Is both problematic and good because it, it is it ha it, it feeds into the idea that I am smarter than everyone because I I mean I have to stand in front of a room of total novices right. of eighteen year olds who've never. I mean, some of them tell me that their American history class they had to take or their world history class they had to take in high school was taught by the baseball coach, and all they did was they just they drew the diamonds on... They didn't do history. They went out in the baseball field and did maintenance because <laughs> the baseball oh. coach didn't give a shit about teaching history. Uh, and Jesus, so that's, That says so much. Yeah, that says a lot. <laughs> tell you what, you grow up in rural America, you do not get an education in a lot of things unless you happen to have some miracle teachers who probably came from that small town and wanted to come back and do their best. Uh, but um, so so I am worlds more knowledgeable than they are just by virtue of uh, time, one, I'm at least a decade older than most of my students. And, uh, and, and the fact that I focused on this as a thing that I do, like I have expertise in it and they don't know anything yet because they're 18. And when I was 18, I didn't know shit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's right. But you you thought you knew shit. Oh God, you thought you knew so much (laughs) stuff, right? I can't wait till I'm
0: fifty and be like, oh, 32, Andrew. Like, what were you doing? You dumb piece of shit. (laughs) I think that is good though, right? Like if I look, if you look back on yourself 10 years ago and you go, well, idiot.
1: What were you doing? I mean, I do that, yeah. Yeah,
0: that means you've (laughs) grown, right? Yeah. If you look back ten years ago and you're like, ah, I was making the right choice, that's sad. That's a sad story. that's right. Right? Because, you know, by virtue of linear time, you just keep moving forward. You can't change what happened back then. So if it looks different than you are now... And it looks worse than you are now, then that must, by virtue, mean that where you are now, the thing you understand and can experience is in a better place than it was. Yeah, Yeah. no, 18-year-old Andrew is a libertarian. (laughs) He said out loud in a women's history course that the reason that birth defects are on the rise is because women continue to have babies at later ages. Yeah, eighteen-year-old Andrew was fucking stupid. Yeah, don't worry. Eighteen-year-old
1: me was also really, really bad, like in loads of loads of ways. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's and so and by the way, and then I got my ass schooled in the yeah. class where I was one of like three guys, and the other two guys heard me say that and went. Yeah, I'm going to hide now because
1: this isn't going to end well. And it right. didn't. I mean, that's a good thing, though, to be schooled. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, because like, yes. one of the things I, like, I, I, you know, what I was was getting at earlier on, what I was going to say is that in social situations, which are different from teaching a class or te- or doing a seminar or whatever, or teaching or, you know, do, doing what I do, which is do true storytelling nights or, or host nights. That's a different thing because you're, you're allowed to talk like a lot. In that situation, right. because that's what you're there to do. And everyone knows what's, you know, everyone's agreed to this social kind of interaction. Mm. Whereas in, in in parties, what I kind of was sad and shocked and, and sad to realise was that over the years, I just assumed if somebody felt like I was talking too much, they would tell me. Right. And so because no one was telling me, right. I didn't realize that I was doing that. <laughs> and then you know occasionally people would tell me, but the people who would tell me would always be kind of middle class white men like me right. who were annoyed that they weren't able to they were do what their I was words doing, did, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I would never take well to that because, you know, I would sort of in my mind I guess be doing some sort of like maths of like, yeah, they're middle class white men and I'm a middle class white man, but you know I was bullied at school and they weren't. So, and like right, you right, know, right. And, that, and that's and that's You're big. the underdog. Yeah, exactly. This I is felt a- yeah, like, right. you, you, So when, when I'm the underdog, I don't tend to like, I don't tend to take that shit. Um, but but that's the thing. I didn't realise that all of the other people were not telling me that right. because, as you say, I'm a white man
0: yeah.
1: uh, and, and I'm middle class and everybody's culturally conditioned not to call us out. Like yeah. not to say you're boring, not to yeah. say you're going on, like humour them, humour them yeah. in whatever way. And then we can maybe have an interesting conversation right. when they've gone home. But like, and or and or humor
0: them, and you directly benefit because you right. get brought into this this privileged second class status right. of being the good one. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's just you know, it took me a long time to realize that you know, in a car trip with me and my brother and my wife, my wife wouldn't say anything, and she would get upset about it. And I was like, "Well, why don't you just jump into the conversation?" Right. And I took yeah, it took a long time to go. Well, you're not. You don't really. That's not what you would do. That's not what you would do. It's just not what makes a lot of sense. Uh, whereas you know, my and my brother are both were both big white guys who bullshit a lot. Right. of me. You know, I went to academia to do my bullshitting, and he's a bartender or bar owner. Uh, so uh, he does bullshitting. You know, right. professionally right. as well right. for a whole nother. Uh, a whole nother field, a much more lucrative field, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, so you know, it, 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 yeah, it's it's crazy to to have to stop and think. Oh, right, other people have other perspectives and other conditions that they're they're operating under, and and you know, so do we. We have our own conditioning that we operate right. under. Right? We, of course, we're supposed to talk.
1: Right. Of course we're supposed to talk. Right, well, in, in some ways, that's a, like, I mean, sure, it's a, it's a privilege, but it's, it's also one of these kind of complex areas of masculinity where it's it's a privilege and a, a, a disadvantage because yeah. some people don't want to talk yeah. and they feel they have to talk and men feel they have to perform yeah. kind of certain levels of competence and always be the knowledgeable one, always right. know stuff, so they can't ask for help, they yeah. can't say that, they're, that they're, no. they don't know stuff and that's the most useful position to be in, to learn, right, yeah. is to say, I don't know. Right. That's the best position to be in, but men really have a problem doing that. You will catch yourself
0: in a lie, right? (laughs) Have you ever had this happen, where you're talking about, it could be, fuck, it could be anything, the most innocuous thing, like, uh, uh, oh, did you watch Iron Fist? And you're like, yes, definitely. And you haven't watched a second of Iron Fist, right? But you read an article about it, and so now you're aping the thing you read in order to make it seem like you know yeah, you know what you're know, talking about. Right. And it's like, dude, it's a fucking TV show. Right. You just you were lying about yeah. nothing. Yeah. There's like lies worth telling, right? Like, did you steal a candy bar? No, I didn't steal a candy bar because you don't want to go to jail for stealing a candy right. bar even though you stole a candy bar, right? Right. That lie makes total sense. Yeah. But we yeah, to reinforce this masculinity, yeah. you know, Uh, you just you you end up doing and you always have you ever felt good about it afterwards
1: i mean i definitely do that like now i find that what i do now and this is what i do with lots of things where i'm trying to kind of um deprogram my cultural conditioning is now what happens is yeah i do lie and then i realize i'm lying and then i tell the person that i I made it up so that is a step forward yeah um and i you know that and you know (laughs) certainly one of the things that's helped me to to, to do to be getting better to get better at that is doing this show because you know there's nothing like hearing yourself uh bl- you know blagging it when you're talking to somebody right. to like know whoa that's like I'm um, you know if I put that out on the internet that's like uh you know some people will hear that and know I'm lying like that that right. helps you to keep you keep you t- true and then that helps you to kind of do it in public in conversation I mean I'm, I'm the same like that with some words like I don't actually like the word uh, stupid or the word idiot and I'm trying to get them out of my vocabulary and now now what happens is when I say those words I tend to go you know that stupid person alert and then I'll be like I don't like the word stupid like, I'll, like right. I'll call myself out now which you know it's an interesting tactic it's, it's, I don't know if it's good or bad hopefully yeah. it's a transition towards not having to call myself out anymore
0: I, f- I feel like <laughs> I feel like most people would appreciate that, though, right?
1: Sometimes,
0: yeah. I'm yeah. I'm sure if you lied about something and then, like, halfway through, you know, you know what? I've been lying this
1: whole time. That would, yeah. I mean, put off a certain definitely. Group of people, people like that one. Like, mm-hmm. I think people like s- saying a word and then saying you don't like the word afterwards just confuses people. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they like it or not. They're yeah. just going to go, "What is he doing? Yeah. Like, why is he?" And, and also, stupid and idiot are words that re- people really don't think about. No. Um, and they're so programmed. Like, and that's right. why I can't get rid of them. Like, there are many words I have changed my word usage. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, as I said, 18-year-old Dave was a dick. Um, oh, yeah. And I've definitely changed a lot of my word uses, but some of them are really hard to get rid of. Like, crazy and uh, crazy insane are really, also hard. Really like, hard, because it's such a... It's so dismissive to say someone
0: is crazy. Yeah. And you're you're just discounting that person's entire life yeah. and what's going on with them by saying they're crazy and it's like i just want part of it is i I don't mean crazy, you know. Yeah, like no I, don't, no I don't, I don't mean it. I just want a word. It's you know. Sometimes it's... people
1: are meaning it in a, in a good way as well. Yeah. Sometimes like it was so crazy. It was crazy that just means it's great. Yeah. But I mean, like as someone who has mental health issues and someone who has right. friends who have mental health issues, you know that does kind of grate on me a bit. Even as someone who's used them, you know, all my life, and it's just, it's, it's it's you know one thing I remember doing when I was a teenager, not. I think by eighteen I'd stopped doing this but the the kind of the 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 cool thing to do at school i guess then was to say you know uh, call, to call to call people gay, meaning that they're yes. meaning ironically that yeah. they're stupid. Yeah. Which is, I did that even as somebody, and so did you know, so did the gay my gay friends. Yes, I, I alluded to the fact that I was bullied in school. One of the ways I was bullied in school was to, I received many many homophobic insults over my school career. That you know I was considered to be gender non-conforming by my contemporaries, and so I was called okay. gay. And even as someone who has like, literally had that word used against me. Every single day, and right. had that make me feel like I wasn't a, a good person, I I then used it ironically, right? right. I, I then used it, and I thought irony was okay, you know? Like, I thought, that's, that, that's, that's all right. And I, you know, it's taken, you know, it took me, you know, I think when I went to university, I suddenly went like, right, okay, I'll reassess some of that stuff. But I was still definitely doing things, ironically, um, for a, a number of more years of my life, all of which I regret.
0: <laughs> and I would say what would be interesting is to lead a campaign, if you will, that um, we do two things with language moving forward. Let's get Helen's ultimate.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, she, she'll do
0: it. One is to be sincere, except, in, except for humor, obviously, right. but to be sincere... When you speak and when you say things, have a sense of sincerity and to be accurate and detailed in your use of words. Like when you say something is stupid, instead of saying oh, that was stupid, no. What do you mean by stupid? Get specific, right? Specificity yeah. is you know the soul of uh, of
1: stories right you have to be very specific right but language is complicated though because when you if you're being specific with the word stupid like so it feels like it's an ableist word but if mm-hmm. you get into its etymology it's not actually as ableist as it feels like it is it means like being in a stupor mm-hmm. it means, right. it, it means and, and, and but it's come to be used in this way yeah you know i have many friends who are word people who like right. like helen but like other people too who really care about the words and i you know, somebody was kind of making the argument that, you know, neither idiot or stupid are actually ableist words. And so to continually policing these things, even as we want to, you know, use them about the president of the United States, you know, where is that? Is that useful? Like, is that policing useful? I mean, and I think, you know, probably it still is because it doesn't matter what the etymology it doesn't matter what the original meanings of these words were the way when people use the word stupid. What I feel like it does is it it reinforces a hierarchy that intelligence is one thing and it matters. Right. Like, and, and, and whereas I don't see that, I see intelligences. I wouldn't value classical intelligence as highly as I would kindness. Right. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, when you say, I mean, when you say something stupid or someone's an idiot or someone's crazy, yeah. you are specifically one distancing yourself from them and then lowering them. Right. If you say someone is stupid, you are inherently saying, I am smarter than that person. And so what I mean by, like, being specific is, uh, is you know, uh, so let's take Donnie, right? Let's take Tiny Hands. <laughs> by the way, people are like, oh, you, you always make jokes about Trump, Cheeto, and Chief or something like that. And, you know, that's, you're being shitty to that president because you're biased. Like, man, I said all sorts of stuff about Brock. Slick Willie. I don't ever, ever call him President Clinton. It's Slick Willie. Tricky Dick Nixon. Dude, I got nicknames for every president, right? I call... Uh, President Harding by the nickname he gave his penis because that guy was a fucking psychopath. So like (laughs) I I have all I have no respect for anyone who's ever been a president of the United States and I think it is in fact patriotic to have no respect for whoever is the president of the United States. But (laughs) when you say that his health care plan is stupid you haven't said anything about his health care plan. The AHCA which isn't technically his health care plan. But be specific in saying his healthcare plan fails to address the needs of the people or it is written in a, in a way that is detrimental to uh, the health and well-being of the american people. It's more than it's being stupid. You haven't said anything by saying it's stupid other than you don't like it, which you could also just say I don't like it. Right, <laughs> right which gets the point across and I, and, I, and and you know without Without you, in fact, seeming like the less intelligent one, right? Because just saying something is stupid doesn't doesn't demonstrate your ability as a rational human being to communicate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an understandable feeling to want to just get angry, though, with it as well. It's, there's, there's, I mean, there's all these complexities, oh, yeah. but ultimately, I think, you know, using the word stupid about Trump, you know, as a rhetorical device is often going to really kind of backfire in that the people who vote for Trump are going to have heard that word used about them many exactly. times, and so when they are, when they, when they hear it, it's almost a bad a badge of honor. It's like you know, we, you know, they, they would, they, I mean they might, <laughs> yeah, you know, they almost like might see it as reclaiming that slur that's used against oh, us as, as a form of, of of strength. I mean, and and that's often the problem when we use words about the powerful, we actually affect the powerless. Like what, the reason I don't like people uh, mocking Trump for being. Fat, or for being uh, like, for, you know, like some of the things that are said about his masculinity is because it only really hurts uh, fat people who are not the president of the United right. States, or it only hurts trans people in the case of those statues, or you know, like various different things. Although, it, you know, it's complicated. It's a complicated world. People still have their natural reactions. People still were brought up in a society with the, where the words on offer to them are the words that are on right. offer to them, you know? Right. We still have to have reactions. I mean, I'm not going to go around telling people, you know, tweeting, I, I hate Donald Trump, he's so stupid. I'm not going to kind of like go, you really need to think about that. Like, no, they don't need no, to think about that yeah, in that yeah. moment. But like, it's just like. But, it,
0: but like, instead, of, but I'd say we uh, should promote. The yeah, idea right, would be, right. We should try to speak in a way where we don't try because you know, that's all you can really affect. Right. is your, yourself. yourself. Yeah. and and so it's it's always putting forward a instead of just reducing, you know, uh, abstract reductionism. Right, the right. the concept of taking things for which you disagree or don't fully understand and reducing them down to an abstract concept that is simplistic and easy to sort of reject is bad almost universally like that's the stuff we use to justify genocide right well i mean that's in an extreme right. case right right, right, right. but right. that that's that's that is that is the path that that leads right and it's not a path that's far away yeah it's and never it, far away it's in, happening now anybody is you know? subject is a potential victim of this because i have had the thought in my own mind that the world would be a better place if certain percentages of Trump voters were murdered in the streets. And then you have to stop and go, all right, you're thinking of genocide now. This is bad. You can't be on the genocide train. There has to be a solution that isn't genocide. Yeah. Because that never works, you know? Because there was a Pizzagate bullshit, like, two days ago, where people were on the National Mall, or maybe they were in front of the White House, like, a hundred people saying, why aren't we investigating... The child molestation in, in that that George Soros and Hillary Clinton are behind is like because it's not there. It didn't happen. It was made up by conspiracy theorists, who, whom Alex Jones, one of the primary ones, has redacted that. Yeah. And their response was that he must someone quote someone must have gotten to him, which is like, whew. Uh, the you know the rabbit hole keeps going. <laughs> I thought, man, if you just came in and murdered everyone, wouldn't it be a better place? It's like, no, it wouldn't be a better better place because you would have a terror yeah. attack on your hands. But I mean, it's like <laughs> you know,
1: that's with that sort of stuff, it's it's like, you know, you can't censor your own mind. Yeah. Your mind has the thoughts it has, you know, some of them may be violent, some of them may be, you know, whatever they are. It's then what you do after you have that thought. But right. like, I feel like lots of people might understand on on a on a kind of m- emotional level why people have the momentarily urge towards genocide right but the but then going oh yeah no that's a good idea let's now legislate for that <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the complexity so i think it's it's good to remember that all of us as human beings have have the capacity to participate in genocide. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why we have that capacity is because it's really easy to go, wouldn't it just be simpler if we just got rid of those people? But I mean, it's, it's it's then like going, right. Okay. I thought that, but now looking at the world and going, well, yeah, but there's actual genocide actually on the cards. I I mean, happening. I mean, this is what I, you know, when I look, I mean, you're, you're a historian, so this will be relevant to you in some ways. Like, I, I definitely do not get behind, uh, let's, uh, Holocaust denial, of course. Right. Uh, that's always a bit of a nervous opening sentence. Because yeah. you don't know where I'm going now. But, but but what I do feel like is that the Holocaust uh, is, op- it occupies a preferential space within history oh, and culture of genocide. Yeah. And there's been many, many genocides before there have been many genocides after it wasn't never again right. like like <laughs> like all of these ideas like the first world <laughs> war again. wasn't never again yeah. the holocaust wasn't never again these things happen they're happening they will be happening in, you know parts of the world now will be experiencing things you could describe as genocide and certainly the government in the in the uk uh, and the government in the united states are on a path that you could argue is towards genocide in the yeah. end point. You know, like the, I think it's like however many steps to tyranny, but you know we're we're very close right. to, to the end.
0: But to be fair, if you want Which to look doesn't mean his- we can't walk back. Right. You know? from a historical perspective, uh, you know, we are frequently in that position. Right, because if you want to look at the first modern instance of never again of we finish a war up, and we go, holy shit, guys, this got out of control, let's narrate this again. I encourage you to read, if you can speak German, uh, in the original German, but if you can't, the English translation is pretty good, The Peace of Westphalia, of 1648. I mean, we're talking about hundreds right. of years. I mean, after the... the, the 30 years war that is what the Peace of Westphalia ends you know a million people who died on the battlefield uh, uh, we estimate and everyone's like holy shit let's never do this again and then like literally fuck I mean England's still in the middle of the civil war period we're not we're just decades away from the next war and then the 18th century has at least three succession wars the first world war called the seven years war the American revolution uh, boom 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 boom. and then of course the 19th century brings us Napoleon it's madness. It's madness. And uh, as far as, you know, the Holocaust getting the prominence that it gets, this is actually a, this is an interesting thing about history, uh, why we talk about the things that we talk about. Right. The reason I think, and this is partly because my background is in archives themselves, the reason we talk about the Holocaust is so much not only because it's horrible, yeah. but we're both in the same age. It needs to be clear. It, it needs yeah, to be talked about. It needs to be made clear. No to one here is saying, we're we should ignore us it. Saying, hey, hey, the Holocaust was good. No way. But the Nazis were super, super good at record keeping. And so we have, I know we have millions of documents relating to the Holocaust because I worked at the National Archives in the United States. We took all the Nazi documents in World War II and I fucking digitized them Mm -hmm. with my hands that you see in front of (laughs) you right Right, right, now. I did like 1,500 linear feet myself. Uh, We have so much on the Holocaust. We don't have a lot on other genocides. Like when you talk about Pol Pot, for example, all estimates, all estimates based on archaeological evidence, based on eyewitness accounts, and some based on documents that we have, but they didn't keep good records. When I I wrote a paper uh, six years ago on um, sexual violence during the Yugoslav Civil Wars, and the estimates for the number of women who were raped during that uh, period vary between 20,000 and 200,000, depending and that's depending on if you're counting all sides of the conflict. Uh, some people only count, say, the Bosnian women. Right. And that's, and that's based on uh, population estimates related to eyewitness accounts under the assumption that half of all rapes don't get reported, that different numbers come up when... Uh, are we talking about the survivors of rape versus the people who do not survive right. rape? There's all of these different numbers, and we just, we just don't have the data. And so nobody really talks that much about... I mean, nobody talks about that war anymore. Unless you're Serbian, Bosnian, Croatian, Macedonian. That's it. Nobody fucking talks about it. Yeah. Uh, because first of all, it was insane that it happened in the 1990s, and that sort of... It it shook a lot of people to be like, oh, we can still do this? Like, yeah, we can still do this. White people can still murder the shit out of white people, it turns out. Um, (laughs) but, uh, But it just. We don't have the documents. And part of that's our fucking fault, United States of America, because we leveled everything. We dropped more bombs on Bosnia and Serbia in 1995 than we dropped in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam combined. Right. (laughs) On just. I mean, they're not big countries, you know. But
1: that's, I mean, that, that's another thing. Like, the why we talk about the Holocaust as well, though, is because... We, we have, Yeah. we ha- Well, we have that great documentation <laughs> mm-hmm. that proves that this war, we were on the right side. Correct. Like, and we've never had that before. We've never had, like, the uh, proof that you can show to other people to say, hey, look, these were bad guys. But we weren't. We didn't know about the Holocaust when we were fighting that war. Right. So we didn't know what we were. This this idea that we were fighting, and I'm not saying some people didn't have uh, an understanding of it. I feel like that's another thing that's not talked about. Like you know, we don't, we haven't learned about the resistance in Germany to right. to Nazism, which which is something that now is really buying us in the ass because we we, we need to know about that as our as our politicians grow closer to where you know the Third Reich was we need to sort of like look at like who who tried to stop that in Germany right. and who were su- semi- successful what things worked yeah. how do you and, and if they don't work how do you live in a country that goes full genocidal and 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 sort of just survive yourself on a day to day how do
0: you live With what you know, assuming that you know what's going on, there's plenty of people who just bury their heads in the sand, you know, Um, and and not just in Germany, too, because, you know, obviously the Third Reich, at some point in time, either directly or indirectly occupied the whole... Fucking continent, yep. uh, with one exception, obviously where yep. we're sitting right now. God bless.
1: Well, stiff upper lip. We like to consider the stiff upper lip to be the th- the factor, but obviously it's because we're an island. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, yeah, saved
0: you guys' <laughs> ass again. God bless it. I mean, we love the Atlantic Ocean for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, look to the people who did successfully resist it. You know, uh, the 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 stat that I always throw out there is. In uh, 1938, there were approximately 60,000 Jews in Bulgaria. In 1945, there were about 61,605 Jews in Bulgaria. Right. What the fuck happened in Bulgaria? Now, it turns out what happened is the king of Bulgaria, who allied, he was an ally of the Nazis, said, oh, they're going to come for the Jews, aren't they? Um, Scatter. And forced the Jews, who mostly lived in Sofia force them out of their homes, and spread them around in the country. They had to go work out in the country because the first step of genocide is concentration. That's why we have concentration camps. Right. got to get everyone right. in the room together so you right. can murder them all. Right. And so when the Nazis came knocking on the door, they're like, I mean, you can have the Jews of Sofia, but that's like Tim. <laughs> that's what we got left. We got like a couple of guys here. I don't – like literally There's this this report that the, the State Department – um, intercepted, and it is it is Czar Boris's representative saying, "We just don't know where they are. We don't know where the Jews are, so right. we can't we cannot physically give them to you. Uh, can we do that now? I don't know. It's a different time, but yeah, like." Those resistance narratives are are really important, and we'll never, well, no one will ever talk about them because it doesn't matter because we fucking won. Yeah, and it's, and it's so interesting. <laughs> That's well, what people are like, it, you were going
1: to say. know, I feel like the the Second World War br- helps us to airbrush, like you know, this country has has. The UK has has carried out genocide. We carried out genocide in Kenya. You know, I know someone who is, is a direct kind of has had direct experience of that. Their their parents had direct experience of that, yep. um, and yet we do not we do not talk about nope. that. We 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 have committed. We're, we're currently committing things that you could definitely. No one kinda... in the history of
0: the world has been more efficient. At committing genocide in the United States of America, <laughs> we wiped out ninety-eight thousand people in seven fucking seconds. Yeah, twice.
1: Yeah, are, <laughs> yeah, that is true. People <laughs> never consider the, the atomic bombs as genocidal yeah. devices, but they were.
0: We, yeah, those those are by all definitions of the term genocide, acts of genocide. We could have a debate as to whether or not it was justified to use the atomic weapons whether or not, I mean, there's a utilitarian argument that people will make that I disagree with, yes, but, but I'm willing to allow someone to have. Like, I would be. Yeah. I'm totally fine with someone saying it was the right choice to make. I disagree with that. As person. As,
1: as most people's history teachers would have said, exactly. it's a terrible thing, but it just right. it, it saved many many lives. Sure. Uh, I don't agree with that either. Yeah. Uh, as far as I <laughs> yeah. understand it, we didn't need to use those we atomic didn't. bombs, and even if we did need to use them, I still can't quite get behind the justification of actually using them anyway right.
0: yeah and, and 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 there's there is a whole debate to be had about that and you're just gonna have people working on different sides
1: what i refuse
0: to allow anyone to say is that that is not an act of genocide right because when you kill that many people that quickly yeah that's genocide like you can't just murder a hundred thousand people and go Meh, casualty of war.
1: And you know, as, as a country that's founded on genocide, yeah. that's a kind of complicated thing to do. Like, it's an interesting thing. Like the 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 like, uh, okay, you can't actually blame the current American people for the genocide that created their country because right. that was Europe, that yeah. was this country, that was Spain, there was loads of places mm. causing those genocides. Um, <laughs> I, I would, in fact, I would, I would
0: disagree with you on that in in this way. I think we do have to carry the responsibility because when you look at the Great Dying, which is what we historians refer to as the 16th century (laughs) in the the
1: Americas, right? all of the Americas. That's a very kind of cozy way of saying genocide.
0: The Great Dying is what we call it, uh, where approximately nine out of ten people who had been there previously in 1491 were not fucking there, uh, nor was there a proper... Analog to their ancestors, a hundred years later, the introduction of uh, smallpox, in particular, to the North American continent. There is no evidence to suggest that that was done on purpose. Sort of an "oops" genocide, if you will, an accidental act of genocide. South and Central America, particularly Central America. There's definitely a case to be made for dear Spain. Holy shit. Wow. You guys did some crazy bat shit stuff down there. But when we look at the North American continent, um, the best evidence I've found is Verrazano's trip up the East Coast may have introduced smallpox to the Narragansett people, and then the Narragansett people were gone. We, the United States of America, and I always always say that we all must take full responsibility because we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Therefore, anything we do, it's all of our fault. Period. Always. Deal with it. Uh, Cope with that concept. We led some aggressive campaigns of exploitation and extermination with a clear point to acquire territory. Like, we very, very efficiently and effectively murdered millions of people on purpose at the end of a gun or through starvation or through denial of resources for the explicit purpose of Manifest Destiny. And then
1: founded a whole uh, film industry on those guys being the bad guys. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know
0: we did we did that so so I uh, would never give the United States yeah, even no, a sorry, whisper yeah, of right. a pass you're right I'm not trying to give you a genocide. Pa- I, I
1: wouldn't really be I mean, giving Hitler... you a pass I just want people in, in yeah. Europe to be aware that we're also yes you, know, you guys definitely complicit I mean, let's face it like Leopold uh, of Belgium right. uh, like should be Holy mentioned cow. in the same breath as Hitler when we're talking yeah. about the atrocities created by uh, by Europe to, but today, no one to ever today. mentions him you know, Le- no Leopold
0: him. Uh, co- the Congo the Belgian Congo is today like child soldier headquarters yeah. Yeah. like that is where rampant civil war just just when people when people on red nose day say <laughs> we're here to feed the children of Africa. You're talking about Belgian Congo. That's yeah. the image in your mind yeah. or Ethiopia about 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, not and, and Ethiopia and today, by the way.
1: Exactly. I mean, exactly. What you're, what you're alluded to there is that when red nose day gives, it gives us the impression of Africa, they give us an impression of a, of a continent that no longer is anything like what they represent. Although there may be pockets of it, like you yeah. say, but there, you know, there are many, <laughs> many very successful capitalist nations, yeah. uh, Within within that continent, there's pockets of that shit in Europe, right?
0: Yeah, you want to you want to go hang out in Crimea with right, me right, right now? Because right, right. I'll tell you right now, it's not pleasant,
1: right?
0: Yeah, it's not going to be a great time. There's bits and pieces of of all over. I, fuck, I'm this country. There's yeah. got to be. I haven't I haven't lived here long enough, and I don't know enough about it. But there's got to be some poverty line around this country that is shocking. Yeah, there is, right? If you head up to some old industrial town, yeah, I
1: mean South Wales, the the valleys, um, you know, Scotland has many of these problems. The North, you know, of England has these problems. I mean, when they took away industry, they didn't put anything in. oh you know, and America has this too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean,
0: I'd love to take it to Central Pennsylvania, right? Where there's literally a whole chunk of Central Pennsylvania you're not allowed to go to because the coal fire won't be put out for two hundred years. (laughs) And
1: then you know, just Walk around London and meet some homeless people, and don't yeah. ignore them that day because yeah. there's too many of them and it's hard to deal with. You'll 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 talk to people who need help in this country. You know, like like because of the way that the global capitalism operates. Yeah. And there's definitely this idea that like European, like this idea of the first world, which mm-hmm. I think is is completely. First of all, it was started up. You know, as a propaganda tool, but now yes. it's an, a meaningless yes. one because there, there there isn't a first world. There's a there isn't
0: a cold it, it war anymore. It doesn't make any sense. Right. It was the West the Soviet spheres, and everybody else. Right. Those are the three worlds, and right. we're the ones who called ourselves the first world. Right. Hmm, I and no one talks about the yeah. second
1: world. like does People, exist people like to say third world countries, and people like yeah. to say first world countries, yeah. but the whole reason it was created was to talk about the second yeah. Uh, world. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that Lithuania and Poland and the old second world countries are now first world countries, right. or third world countries, in the case, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, and they're all... Not so great as a direct, uh, uh, direct result of it. It's. I mean, yeah. It's. It, but I was just two days ago having a conversation with a woman from South Africa, and she. It. I mean, she drives her and a friend I have who grew up in Zimbabwe, and a friend who grew up in Zimbabwe is white. Right. And and people's reaction t- to her being, or she's like, oh, I'm African. Is they're like, oh, do sh- you, stop being a? She's, <laughs> like, she's st- like, I'm st- from fucking Zimbabwe. Yeah. She's like, not I'm Rachel Dozer. African. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't think you guys understand. I'm from Africa. Yeah. You know, they, they can't wrap their mind around it because the image of Africa is so monolithic. And what's maddening is it is so inaccurate, even in its outdatedness. Right again it's that image of ethiopia 25 years ago when ethiopia was undergoing a particularly rough time in its history because of drought right directly result of global warming anyway uh but that's still in our minds and you're like dude ethiopia has the the second fastest growing gdp in africa or something like that it's
1: well, I mean, there are many arguments that could be said like Ethiopia may very well have been much better off if live aid had never happened, for example. No. I mean, like, there's the, like there's when you go into a country and you try to sort it out, yes. you arm the wrong people, you, you give money to the wrong people, up. like, it all goes wrong. So, yeah. like, there, there are, you know, there is a lot... I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm for... Uh, people kind of accepting and, 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 and looking after each other as a, as a human family. But at the same time, like it's very rare that any form of intervention from one state across to another state works out well in the long run. Very rare. And, like we could at least, if if we, if we believe in those ideas, I think we could just make our own countries tolerant rather than right. like, like, like all of the people who are like, we have to go and help uh, this country or that country by bombing them. Maybe they should just welcome refugees in their country. Uh, uh, you know that would be a start towards that, rather than sending some bombs.
0: Yeah, and if you want to get down into like defining terms properly, Brexit is an act of ethnic cleansing.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I don't. Disagree I'm gonna with drop that. that one out there.
0: <laughs> Saying and, and the election of Donald Trump is also and is will be. It hasn't happened yet. It's well, we're it's starting. It's on its way. It's on its way. It will be an act of ethnic cleansing.
1: It was definitely motivated by yeah. the desire for ethnic exactly. cleansing. I think we can say about that. Removing that.
0: populations like that forcefully is the definition of ethnic cleansing. Right. Like ethnic cleansing can be literally anything from putting everybody on a truck and driving them away to murdering everybody right. like that is the range right. of ethnic cleansing right. and you just don't want to be in you don't want yeah. someone to be like you ethnically cleanse people and you have to go ah fuck we did you yeah. don't want to be yeah, that yeah. person
1: that's yeah. not what we're right. no one should be shooting for that yeah yeah well, it's the same with internment camps which are basically concentration yes. camps and it's, it's it's the same with torture yeah. you know like we, we both come from nations that l- like to torture people but also like to say those guys are bad because they yeah. torture people oh god we ethnically cleansed the Japanese real good back
0: in the 30s and 40s I mean mostly in the 40s but that's also an act of ethnic cleansing by the way is that you know people go well it wasn't as bad as a Nazi concentration camp and I go you're you're right you're right we didn't put <laughs> japanese people into ovens at any point but, in time like, it wasn't but, as
1: bad as a nazi shouldn't be yeah exactly as i always say in my
0: class you never want to be like 10 percent nazi and we were like 70 percent nazi like you just that's unacceptable i refuse to allow america to be that way right. you know so uh you know but we still in addition to that Temporary act of ethnic cleansing, and air, I'm making air quotes for yeah. the microphone. Um, there's a long-term one because then all those people lost their property, lost access to any in- economic advantages they had. They when they I mean when they went home, there was nothing left for them. Right? You know, there's this incredible story going back to the Holocaust and its prominence of the the Greek Jews where there were about 60,000 Jews in 1938, and there were about 600 in 1945. Didn't work out as well for them as they did for the Bulgarians. And Salonika, that's was the sort of Jewish capital of Greece. It had, In fact, up until 1938, it was a majority Jewish city in a European country, which was kind of interesting and unique uh, in a lot of ways. And when they came back, the motherfuckers built a university, Salonika University, on top of the Jewish graveyards. They took all the Jewish burial grounds, dug that shit up. Actually, sometimes they didn't dig that shit up, which is why it's the most haunted university in the world. And they just put a university down. Salonika University is built on the literal bones of Jews. Right. And so everyone came home and went, wow, uh, we're not welcome here. Right. Japanese people in America... Japanese-Americans, by the way, most of them were not, had never been to Japan. Came home to San Francisco, came home to Portland, came home to Los Angeles, primarily, uh, in 1945. And the shop that they had ran for 10 years was now a beauty salon run by some white person. And they were like, well, I guess we're not welcome here. In fact, our, our emigration to Japan... Ra- radically increased in the latter half of the 1940s. We had a whole bunch of Japanese Americans who went right the hell back to Japan, even though they had never been there their whole oh, lives. Right. They spoke Japanese because they grew up in a Japanese household, and they went to Japan because they realized that because they were bilingual, this was an economic advantage. Because they had no advantage in the United States, right? And he'd be completely. That's ethnic cleansing. We kick. We we have a way lower Japanese American
1: population than we should. Right, and it's the it's the ripples of these things and how they still hurt people. It's like when people say, you know, slavery was abolished, but you know, slavery was abolished. But what happened after that? Ish. You know, exa- exactly. <laughs> Ish is the is is, <laughs> is the you know is is a, a way of saying you know Jim Crow prison industrial complex right. everything that's happened since then. Um, and, 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 you know, it's similarly with that, you know, people in the UK like to think of America as, like, more racist than the UK. Right. That is not true. Now we're, we're all
0: racist. Yes. But that is,
1: it's not true for a start. Uh, just because our police don't have as many guns yeah. doesn't mean they don't still manage to shoot some people of colour. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, we're a smaller country. We shouldn't, like, you know, it, just because we don't have the numbers that, that that America has does not mean that we aren't... On a smaller level, being yeah. just as much, uh, you know, fuckers. But the, but, you know, also what people like to forget about is for, for for people to, for you know, for slavery to have gone to America required this country and a few other countries mm-hmm. from Europe uh, providing the slaves. And oh, like, yeah. slavery is our legacy, yes. not yours in yes. a way. Like, you're right. Like, we your, your big it. crime is, you know, is is what you did, you know, to the native people. when, when well, What what we did, but what, as you say, what you're... What, what, once we America, perfected. Once we made, America, it, we made it, yeah. it happen. Once America was created, what you did then uh to the to the people that you'd take over. Yeah we over. we
0: didn't learn from that lesson. Right. We didn't grow. We looked at 18-year-old America and said that guy was right and continued <laughs> to do the same shit that he did. Right. And it's and it's the same with slavery. I mean, the 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 war of oh, Queen Anne's War, 1721, I think is roughly when it, when it wraps up. The big legacy of that is Britain owned exclusive rights to the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah. For a generation or something like that, like 30 years. And so, of course, the slave population right. skyrockets right. in the newly formed king's land of Georgia, a state which was intentionally founded in 17-something, first decade of the 18th century, with a constitution or a founding document that abolished slavery. Georgia. The state of Georgia, when it was founded, was specifically against uh, slavery. Actually, it can't be. It has to be when King George was king. So whenever King George first became king. But when it was founded, it was no slaves, no way. It was for um, people to escape debtor's prison. Like, people call it a prison colony. Yeah, right. Because poor people in this country owed money, got thrown in jail. And right. he was like, I'll get you out of the this. The
1: Australia of America.
0: Exactly. The point was, <laughs> you can rot here in debtor's prison, or we can buy all of your debt. Yeah. You move to Georgia, and you work um, in the field. And you get a house, and you get a job, and you get food in your belly, or you can stay here in debtor's prison. Yeah, you're going to fucking take the deal. You're going to go to Georgia, right? And a lot of people did, and it turns out this is not a very successful colony. But then, with the exclusive slave trade, they're like, let's just send a bunch of slaves there. And then Georgia becomes the Deep South and is like this racist institution that fought hard to keep slavery when we wrote our constitution right.
1: in the system so yeah I mean oh. the, the, exactly these ripples and contradictions yeah. of history people don't really get like I, I definitely feel like America needs to do more to wrestle with its history no. uh, for sure I don't, don't get me wrong but the UK like People in this country like to, like, look at America and say things like that without saying we need to do exactly the same thing here. And when I look at, like, you know, the history of of this country and slavery and how we were engaged in that, I feel like that should be being taught in schools. I feel like, you know, anyone who walks down, you know, White Ladies Road in Bristol and, like, Black Boy Lane or whatever it is, like, you know understand that the, the reason that like it's it's i, I mean I, it's good in a way that those 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 roads still contain those names mm-hmm. because it, it 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 means that we have to remember uh colonization and slavery and and all of the kind of atrocities that we've done but it only is good if we do remember it's only good if we if we look at those historical moments and like put plaques on those streets saying we were criminals right it's not good when we you know we have Cecil Rhodes in our you know in our universities, and say like have his bust as a as a point of pride. Like right. if he won his bust, then put that he was a fucking right. uh, you know, crimes against humanity kind of guy, and then you can then we can yeah. talk about that.
0: Yeah, you know? and in the thing that you have to accept is, um, and this comes down with privilege. It comes down with accepting your history, all those different things. The the thing you have to accept is that your history. Is riddled with criminals, uh, and that history shapes where you are now. And in accepting that, in embracing that, and in engaging in a conversation about that, you are not admitting that you are a bad person, right? But you have to admit that you and your life is shaped by that reality. Yeah, like I, I, I know for a god damn fact I could prove it to you in a court of law that uh, being a white man has been beneficial in my career. That I have been offered jobs, and I've accepted those jobs, because I am a white male who at least appears to be straight. Right. Uh, I just know it. I know it for a fact. I just do. <laughs> like I don't need to get into the details because right. I don't want to throw any shade on some of my Colleagues who have had to fight for what they have gotten, um, but I have not had to fight as hard. And And that does not mean I have not fought hard. Right. That does not mean right. that I have right. not right. worked right. hard. I right. work right. my fucking ass off. Right. I know I work my fucking ass off. Yeah,
1: I sometimes, you know, you get those t-shirts, you know, that I understand what people are saying where they're like, uh, someone give me the confidence of a mediocre white guy. Yeah. And I always think, like, if only I had the confidence of a mediocre white guy. <laughs> uh, as, but I, I understand that to buy one of those t-shirts and wear it uh, would be appropriate yeah, in yeah. itself. But yeah. it's true like white people, some of us do work hard like do yeah. you have some things we have to overcome that's not, that doesn't mean that we don't have the privileges yeah. that you're talking and about. And most people
0: I think work hard they, yeah. I mean this is the fallacy of that people make when they criticise welfare states when they say well, the, like for what Finland's doing with the basic income right? they say oh well if everyone has a basic income no one will work. We're like N- actually, fun fact most people don't work as hard as they do in order to achieve a basic income. That's not what, you know, some people have to. But everyone actually works pretty fucking hard. The people who don't need to work hard, I mean, they're the ones who have insane priv- I mean, like yeah, Donald yeah. Trump, who inherited, I forget, $100 million. For right. Me, but whatever he inherited from his... But his pops, when his pops, you know, died, uh, uh, and then he squandered twice or three times or however many times he's gone bankrupt. That guy came from like a crazy privilege. But you know what? Donald Trump also worked hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it depends on your definition of work. It depends on like, you know, there's so many factors. There's there's so much to unpack. Pick on that, and I feel like we don't really have the the time because I've already gone quite long. Uh. Um, we, we should. Kind of wrap up at this point. Uh, The last question that I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug?
0: Yes, I do have something to plug. Uh, So I am co-organizing a conference at King's College, uh, London. I realize there are more than one King's College. Yeah, we all know that now.
1: Hamilton's out. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's right, which is now uh, (laughs) Columbia. Yeah, anyway, so uh, it's a conference uh, um, in the digital humanities, which is what I'm getting my PhD in. And for those of you who don't know what digital humanities is, Uh, It's the humanities in a digital space. That's it. That's all the difference is, is we're just humanists. We're philosophers, historians, literature, right? Whatever. All of the things that you associate with humanities in the digital space, because we have to be very pedantic and specific about it. Anyway, (laughs) we're talking about visual thinking in the digital humanities, and that includes like new media. So you guys who are podcast listeners and podcasters, the whole conference is focusing on visual thinking so podcasting you know is an audio medium is there a visual component that we're missing um and so it's on may the i'm gonna blow, i'm gonna mess it up 19th may the 19th uh which is a friday it is all day at king's college uh you can go to the website which is new perspectives dh.com Find out about the speakers we have. One guy is going to give a presentation on um, smelling the history of London. Ooh. Yeah. And so it's of, it's it's visualizing the smells of London. I know some people who would really into that. So I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. i let them
1: know about that. So
0: there's a guy who, that's his big project. He's going to talk about that in a workshop and actually show people how to make that kind of project. Uh, so it'll be like, you know canary wharf 1880 right what is it what does it smell like and it'll show you in these like clouds of smells what you would likely have smelled wow. based on where you are in time and place in london uh mostly it's actually all just around the thames for the most part it doesn't you know if you had more money i'm sure you could expand it out but uh some really interesting stuff like that so that's kind of what we're doing so new perspectives dh.com. check it out it is open everyone It is free free that
1: the I mean that's the best there will kind even of thing. be food available. Wow, free food. <laughs> yeah, free food. Yeah, the that's, ticket sales are that'll, going. That'll get it. That'll get them. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Like like I said at the beginning, I didn't know where it was going to go, mm-hmm. but I had a kind of sense that we agreed politically from some of our Facebook interactions. Right. Uh, as we said before we started recording, you know we've agreed pretty much on everything. Right. Uh, but hopefully I think that there's still some value in listening to two guys agreeing about stuff yeah. that is less talked about.
0: Oh, what I really hope is that somebody out there listens to these two white guys and goes man, they know what they're talking about. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the,
1: the, yeah, that is that is the ultimate <laughs> irony. Like, If yeah. you've liked what we've said, go out and find some people who don't look like us uh, who say the same things but better yes. and with more kind of depth from their own lived experience. If you
0: like what we're talking about, here's my suggestion. The Black cultural archives in brixton send them five pounds they could use five pounds that's a great they have they have an amazing collection of of uh records it's the first black archives in england period they're the premier institute for understanding black history in this country they have an amazing record collection they've actually collected all the music Uh, produced by black artists in the UK over the entire time. Really good. Send them some money. Um, You know, they're grant funded, but they're also a not-for-profit that's just doing the best they can with the resources they have. So uh, if you like what we have to say, send them a couple of bucks.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, And the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Uh, (laughs) Farewell, audience. I hope that you all had a good time. Bye, everyone. (laughs) if you want to you can vote for getting better acquainted or my other podcast the family tree for the british podcast awards there's a listener's choice option as part of those awards and your listeners and maybe just maybe you will choose me you can do that over at the britishpodcastawards.com I'm also working on series two of The Family Tree me and my partner Jen we're in the process of casting that look out for more Family Tree and if you haven't heard the first series it's all there uh, over on the website on iTunes on SoundCloud all the places that podcasts go to hang out so you can listen to that show from the beginning you can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast you can like Getting Better Acquainted on Facebook and you can find Getting Better Acquainted on iTunes Soundcloud, those kind of places. One thing that really helps the show if you have some time, it would be for you to leave a rating and a review on iTunes uh, telling people about the show and why you like it. If you have money to spare and you want to support what I do, then you can donate to the show via the PayPal link that you can find on the Soundcloud page If you want to support the family tree you can sign up to the Patreon that would be so helpful because we're making the second season and so we need a budget we need to pay people and so you could help us to do that but remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted